Welcome to localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Jenna Konar, and you're listening to Management Decisions, where we discuss topics related to human resources, hiring, and of course, management. With the rise of modern technology, the workplace has changed drastically, allowing employees of many companies to work from anywhere at any time. Today, we're discussing the death of the 9-to-5 work schedule and how this is impacting businesses and employees. Joining me today is Alexandra Levitt, business and workplace author, speaker, and consultant. She's also the author of Blind Spots, 10 Business Myths You Can't Afford to Believe on Your New Path to Success. Thanks for joining me today, Alexandra. Oh, thanks for having me, Jenna. It's great to be here. So today we're talking about how the 9-to-5 traditional job is maybe on its way out and how the flex schedule is going to come into play in many workplaces. For those listeners who are maybe unfamiliar, could you define what a flex schedule is? Certainly. A flex schedule is basically something that is customized to the individual that is less traditional than, let's say, working eight hours a day, Monday through Friday, which is what we typically think of as a work schedule. Mm -hmm. And even if you uh, work different types of hours, usually you do something that adds up to 40 hours a week. And that is the model that we've really been working with um, for almost an entire century. And it's really started early in the 20th century. We, We engaged with this model. But In the last decade, with the advances in technology, we really see that there's no reason for people to be in a single physical location for eight or nine or 10 hours every day, that it is possible for people to get great business results being elsewhere, to be able to do their job anywhere, whenever they they need to. If they need to log on to the system at 2 a.m. because they happen to be having a poor night's sleep, well, they can do that. Mm -hmm. And so a flex schedule takes advantage of these changes in technology to allow people to, let's say work from home a couple days a week and go into the office the other days or to work at home in the morning and go in in the afternoon when the traffic is is less bad. It allows people to do things like job sharing where one person might be on the ground doing a job Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The other person comes in Tuesday, Thursday. It allows for things like maternity leave partners where one person might go take three months off to have a baby, stop working then, and then her colleague would step in for her and then go and have her baby when the first woman comes back from maternity leave. So flex arrangements can take all shapes and sizes. Uh, There is no one standard way of going about it. I think what's important to realize about it is just that it is very individual and it's based Mm -hmm. on the life stage and the lifestyle of the employee and the company that they're working for. So it sounds like technology, the advances in modern technology is a big factor in why these flex schedules are becoming more common. Are there other reasons why we're shifting to this idea of flex schedules? Well, I think that technology makes it possible. And then Mm -hmm. the next logical step is, well, why wouldn't we do it this way? And I think what we see with the millennials, who are a very large generation born roughly 1980 to 1995, by about mid-century, they'll be 75% of the workforce. So they will have a lot of power. And they are very much into flex schedules because they have been raised on a steady diet of technology and they are used to doing work um, wherever and, and whenever they want. And so they don't really see the sense of having to be in one physical location just to show up for the sake of showing up. And so they're the ones who are driving this move toward more telecommuting, this move toward uh, more 
working from um, what we call co-working locations where they might not be in an office per se, but they might be in a building that that has people working in all different companies and and they might enjoy environments like that. So they are are pushing this forward, I think, more rapidly Mm -hmm. than if they weren't such a force to be reckoned with because of their numbers. And there's 80 million of them in the U.S. alone. So they are very, very substantial and, and they are looking at things now, with the oldest ones being about 35 years old, they're looking at things like, okay, well, what do I need to be taking care of outside of work? So what do I need to be doing in terms of my family? What do, I want to, what do I want to be doing in terms of my hobbies? Do I want to start a business? And all these things take time and they take attention. Mm-hmm. And it makes it very difficult if you have to be in an office space for nine hours every day to, to pursue these other things or take care of the other things you need to do. And so that's one of the reasons I think we see this happening. And I think it's going to accelerate rapidly as the millennials start their own families and start to face the issue of caring for aging grandparents and aging parents. And with the millennials bringing this forward, this idea of flex schedules, in your opinion, are companies generally becoming accepting of this or is there still a lot of resistance to stepping away from the traditional work environment? Jenna, that's a great question. I I see both. I do see companies becoming more amenable to it. I see them allowing people to work from home a lot more frequently. More people have those arrangements than they did even five or 10 years ago. It's, it's much more common. I, I think there's a stat out there. It's about 30% of people are, are working from home or have some sort of telecommuting arrangement, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. But I do see the more traditional companies resisting it. And we just saw a, a pretty major setback in the telecommuting movement when uh, Marissa Meyer of Yahoo said she didn't want anybody working from home, that everybody has to come into the office. Now, whether or not that's going to stick over the long term, I would have to stand skeptical. Yeah. But you do see companies saying, you know what? We see the value of in-person collaboration, and we believe that if everybody is disjointed, everyone's working from their own location, that we won't really see innovation because people won't be talking to one another. And there is something to that. I think we don't want to go too far in the direction of never having anyone have FaceTime with one another. But I think that it's going to have to be a happy medium, Mm -hmm. and it's something that companies are going to have to be willing to experiment with, which I know a lot of companies' experimentation is a bad word. But it's something that over the next 10 to 15 years, we're going to have to figure out each company for itself what works best for its employee population and for the business as a whole. And going back to the topic of millennials, in your article, The Death of the 9 to 5, Why We'll All Work Flex Schedule Soon, you list four different reasons why millennials will be more open to the flex schedule than the traditional schedule. So I kind of wanted to run through each one of those today. The first one that you mention is the work-family balance, and you had touched on this briefly before. How would you say that the millennial view of work-life balance is different from that of previous generations? Well, I don't know that it necessarily is different. I think in, in general, when we look at the millennial generation, what makes them different is not what they're asking for or what they want, but the fact that they are assertively asking for it at a much younger age than previous generations. Everybody wants time to spend with their family. Everybody wants to be able to be there for their kid's soccer game or to be able to take their kid out to lunch when they have a day off of school. But prior generations, that simply wasn't accepted. If you were a working parent, you were a working parent. And it wasn't okay to go and say to your boss, I'm sorry, but I'm going to go to my kid's soccer game this afternoon. You would have been fired or at the very least chastised. So nobody did that, even though everyone might have wanted to. And what's different about the millennials is at the age of 30 years old, they might have a baby. 
Mm-hmm. And they might say, you know what, I'm going to not only take maternity leave, but I'm going to only work three days a week when I'm a new mom or a new dad. And they are demanding that. And they're in a position to demand it because of their numbers, because companies simply will not be able to survive without them. So that's really what makes it different. Not that they want different things, but just that they're going to be asking for it and they are asking for it at a much younger age. And even those that don't have families yet of their own, they're still saying, you know what, I want time to pursue hobbies. I want to start a business on the side. I want to be able to, uh, as I say in the, in the story, take a nap <laughs> after lunch every day. I mean, you know, they, they have their preferences and they're willing to state them. Where do you think this boldness comes from? Is it just from the way that millennials were raised or just the changing technologies, as we had mentioned, allowing them to do more things? How are they different in their assertiveness than maybe the previous generations were? Jenna, you you hit the nail right on the head. It is the way they were raised. They were raised by parents who, and this is, of course, generalization, but when we look at research, it tends to be true. These parents made them feel like they were the most special kids in the universe and Mm -hmm. that they could do and ask for anything they wanted. And so they come into a workforce from a place of empowerment. Even the ones who are 22 years old, they they come right out of college and they don't have the sense that I'm the low man on the totem pole. Mm -hmm. I am ready and willing to contribute. I have something important to say. And that that comes from this empowerment that their parents gave them from a very, very young age. And they also are, of course, in a peer group where everybody is the same. So they grew up surrounded by other kids that were being raised the same way. And they also have had the ability to become much more worldly because they've spoken online to kids all around the world who were also, this is a global phenomenon, were also raised similarly. Okay. It's something that has compounded itself over time because of the technology and the ability to communicate so readily with peers. And then the second factor that you had mentioned in the article was that millennials really value continuing education, continuing skills education in their work environments. Why would you say that this is so important to them? And what things in particular are they hoping to learn or improve when it comes to their career? I think this is another example, Jenna, of where the millennials are going to be doing what everybody's going to be doing or everyone's going to have to be doing, and that's scaling up. Mm -hmm. The days of getting a degree and being done with school forever are pretty much over. Mm -hmm. Technology is going to be changing most industries so rapidly, and business is going to have to be so adaptable that you will have to develop skills over the course of your career, whether you are going to be 50 years old or 20 years old. It's going to be the same. Everyone is going to have this environment of continuous learning. And for millennials, it will be more significant because the largest percentage of their careers will be spent in this model, whereas people who are a little bit older, so baby boomers or Gen Xers, we've spent more of our career in the traditional model. So it's most important for them because they'll be starting off this way. And I think that that the way that they're doing it is highly non-traditional. They're doing it by online methods. They're maybe going back to school for a course or a certification, but not necessarily a degree. And it will be continually evaluating what is the organization or organizations that I'm working for? What do they need? Where is there a gap? And how can I develop the skills in order to be marketable? And that's going to be a model I think it's going to take some getting used to. It will probably be a little bit easier for them because, as I said, they're spending more of their careers in that model than other generations. And then the third reason that the flex schedule will be affecting the workforce is you had noted the disappearing corporate office. So you mentioned that the traditional type of office, a permanent physical office, will start to disappear in the coming years. What will take their place? How will that work if there are fewer physical offices for people to go work? 
Well, the natural conclusion is that people will work more from home. I think right. we will see that happening. Everyone's going to have access to these super fast data terminals that relay both professional and personal information. So we'll see a little bit more of a blur there. And I think that these co-working spaces are going to become all the rage. Right now, we see them mostly with the entrepreneurship community, okay. meaning if you have a startup or you're a sole proprietor, you might rent on a short-term basis this and in a building where you've, there's a hundred different offices and they're all different organizations. But I think as the century progresses, we're going to see more large organizations buying into this and you can lease space in different geographic areas and people, as they come in and out, can plug into that, plug in literally and figuratively, to mm-hmm. that space that, that the company is leasing. And I think we'll see these chains of interconnected hubs where, where people can access space. But I think the days of these huge buildings where you've got thousands of people working together in one space, they're going to go away because just look at it from the corporation's point of view, right? I mean, most people are already doing some kind of telecommuting and you'll walk into these large buildings and you'll see most of the cubicles and offices are empty half the time. So what's really the point of heating and cooling and and supplying all this overhead for for that type of arrangement? It just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see those decreasing. And speaking of that, the the fourth factor that you had brought up was the company's bottom line. Aside from the financial aspect of it, how will the flexible work hours impact the productivity in the workplace? Well, first of all, companies love to hear that people who telecommute work longer hours. They do. Mm -hmm. They spend obviously no time commuting. And so instead of taking that time to do personal things, they actually spend more time working. So Mm -hmm. they are uh, shown to be more productive and get more work output completed than people who work in an office. You obviously, when you're telecommuting, have fewer work-related distractions. You may have home distractions, but at the same time, you don't have a bunch of colleagues sitting around who can be wanting to chat at various times. You're not usually going out for lunch. And in general, I, I mean, I've found that the people that I have talked to that telecommute are able to pinpoint what they need to work on very efficiently, get, do what needs to be done, and then stop. Whereas there's just a lot more clock watching and time wasting mm-hmm. when you feel like you have to show up for something nine hours a day, whether you happen to be busy or not, you're still there. Well, that's not necessarily the most productive way of going about your day. So mm-hmm. I think generally companies have seen that when they allow people to telecommute, they're just much more efficient and the more they actually get more out of those people in the end and, and you know, all of the home related distractions that we complain about, well, they're they're dwarfed by the work related distractions. Right. As the years pass, what are some intermediary steps that you think that companies could take as they're moving away from the traditional work schedule and into the flexible work schedules? Well, the first thing that I would recommend is start thinking about schedules as an individual issue rather than a company wide issue. So mm-hmm. These blanket policies that you have, we're going to enforce that people attend for nine hours, Monday through Friday. Start leaving it up to the discretion of the individual manager. And if you're an individual manager, start leaving it up to the discretion of the employee. I mean, of course, you want to be developing a plan for each person. I I don't think it's wise to just let people leave them to their own devices where Mm -hmm. they can just do whatever they want as long as they get results. I think you have to put some parameters around it. But if an employee is willing to submit a telecommuting plan, here's how I'm going to get work done. Here's when I'm going to be available. Here are the tools that I'm going to use. And we will evaluate how well it's working in a month or two. And if, you're, if you've got that kind of situation going with each of your employees, then be more flexible with 
allowing people to have different types of arrangements. And of course, if you do value the collaboration, do value the innovation, then you, you may want to have something that says everyone's got to be in the office on Wednesday because that's when we have our team meetings and that's when we have our brainstorms. And then just set the rules around it and then let people be productive in the way that's best for them. And I think in this particular situation, small steps are good. So if you are a company that hasn't done any telecommuting whatsoever, well, then start by allowing people one day a week or start by telling people you've got to be here 40 hours, but you can choose which 40 hours. Do it one small step at a time. See how it works. Tweak the program and then move on from there. What you do want to do is try to be consistent among employees. If you're offering something to one person, you're going to have to be prepared to offer something similar or related to other individuals. Because one thing I see companies doing a lot of, which probably not wise, they'll let someone who's a working mom, for example, they'll let that person have afternoons off. But someone who doesn't have any kids, they'll be like, well, you don't have kids, so you don't need to. You know, that's just, Mm -hmm. it's a dangerous precedent to set. Who's to say that that person's hobbies are less important than this first person's child. So you've got to be prepared once you open the floodgates that you're going to have more people requesting and asking for it. And again, it's an individual thing that you should be customizing by employee. Speaking of the consistency, what would you recommend as far as maybe upper level management as compared to someone who's, you know, starting at an entry level position? When you're being flexible, do different rules apply to people at different levels or should you still try to be consistent? Oh, well, Jenna, actually, I'm glad you brought that up. That is a good question because in general, and I I wrote an article on this a couple of months or maybe it was last year, I don't think people at the entry level should telecommute all that much. The reason being is I just don't think they have the experience to have learned a lot of the interpersonal skills, to learn how business is done on a daily basis. I think it's effective for people to be on the ground actually witnessing how things are done. And if you've never had that experience, it becomes very difficult to learn how to telecommute effectively because you don't know how regular work is done effectively. So it's hard to take that step. So I recommend for all companies and all people who are seeking entry-level positions that you have at least a year or two where you're actually working with alongside someone, with someone. It doesn't have to be a gigantic company, but maybe even one or two other people so that you learn how to communicate in an in-person manner because those skills are really the foundation for everything that you're going to do virtually. That would be my best practice there. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I do feel that that's a little bit of an exception. Mm-hmm. Again, you can still allow those people to work flexibly, but I think some of that flex work should be in person right. <laughs> for those entry-level people. And I think that's a great practical tip. You've actually offered a lot of great advice for our listeners. I wanted to give you the floor at the end here, just for the last minute or so to offer any final words of advice that you may have on this topic, whether it's a manager listening who's thinking of transitioning to a little bit more of the flex, flexible schedules, flexible hours, what advice would you give them on this topic? My advice for the individual would be, if you are asking for this arrangement, mm-hmm. you must be prepared to be ultra productive, especially in the test phase, because you are going to be watched more carefully than ever to see if you are productive and if you are getting results. So just remember to always be looking at telecommuting from the standpoint of the organization. Why is it better for the organization that you are doing it this way? It's not about you. It's not about, well, it's better for me if I don't have to commute. No, it's better for the organization because they don't have to pay you to commute. Mm -hmm. So always be looking at it from that perspective and be doing things that show the organization how you are adding extra value because you are telecommuting versus working in the office. 
And with that final bit of advice, we'll wrap up the show. You've been listening to Management Decisions with our guest, Alexandra Levitt. Thanks for sharing your insight with me today, Alexandra. You're welcome. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com or reach out to us on Twitter under at the LJN. Once again, I'm Jenna Konar, and thanks for joining us.